0: Pre-game show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7, the game.
1: Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Langford in with you, and I'm going to be 100% honest. Started off the show, was so focused on getting everything ready that I looked down to just grab the headphones that I normally have here, and they were not in the headphone jack, so I had to grab a pair of headphones while the intro was going on, and I just did that whole thing, uh, scrambling here in the studio. But good morning, everybody. Hope you're having a terrific Thursday morning. Now, today I want to talk about the warriors and that sun's game last night now the warriors lose 107 to 103 but man they fought in that game they really did it was a it was a sloppy game it was a sloppy game from both teams but it was very enjoyable and i've never heard clutch stats more than I've heard this season. Because as the Suns have tied their franchise record for the most wins in a single season, they're now up to 62. A large talking point around the Suns has been their clutch stats. Now when you talk about stats that are clutch, it's talking about games when you're in the fourth quarter and the game is within five points and there's five minutes left. And the Suns have been crushing everybody. Everybody in clutch time. Again, less than five minutes or five minutes or less to go in the game, and the score is within five points. Now, the Warriors, on the other hand, and shout out to Anthony Slater for this the Warriors, in the last 15 games, nine of them have come down to clutch situations, and in those nine games, the Warriors are 1-8. So when there's less than five minutes to go in this game, and it's within clutch time, didn't feel like... Like, that's when Devin Booker and Chris Paul shine. That's where they have made their money. And when it is tied, 91-91, to 91, with less than five minutes left, didn't really seem like the Warriors had much of a chance... But they kept fighting and fighting, and they made it come down to the last second. And it just ended up on Devin Booker free throws yet again. Kind of like that Magic game where it was just coming down to free throws. Just very frustrating. Same thing with the Spurs game, too. Uh, But throughout the game, they had fought. I was very encouraged by this game. And the reason I was encouraged was because of the play of Draymond Green. Now we focus so much and this is a I think this is a problem that we have, but how much from the Draymond Green show have you heard this week? How many sound clips from the Draymond Green show have you heard? None. You know why? None of it went viral because he didn't say something controversial. As a matter of fact, in his podcast, he's doing it separately now. He's not doing the interviews. Uh, he's not doing the interviews and uh, and his takes on what's going on. He's not doing any of that at the same podcast. He's separating the episodes. So the last one was 28 minutes, makes for a much easier listen, especially if you have a commute to work that's less than a half hour. Now mine is. Fifty minutes, so I got time to listen to two minute podcasts if I want. <laughs> Big shot, but Draymond Green, throughout the podcast before he got to talking about what happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock at the Oscars, he was taking accountability for how poorly he's played ever since his return from injury. He was talking about his comments, saying that you know, in the post game, he said he felt he feels terrible. He feels 100% healthy, but he feels terrible because he feels like he's making the team worse when they're on the floor. But then he gives you a 10-minute explanation as to why he thinks he can come back and what he needs to do. And no one's talked about that. And what happened in last night's game was exactly what he spoke into existence from his podcast. He was quicker on defense. He was getting into Crowder's head while Crowder was trying to get into his head. He was directing things on offense. Now, sure, there's some times where you'd like to see him maybe take an open three every now and then, but he was trying to get to the hoop. He was being more aggressive. But it was on defense where he didn't seem like he was a step slow. He looked like the Draymond Green that we knew prior to the injury. And that's why I was encouraged, because if you combine that, along with Steph Curry, and then Andre Iguodala coming off the bench too. Andre Iguodala giving you some important defensive minutes, along with uh, GP2. Now, you had Jonathan Kaminga essentially not play in the second half, and that's due to how Andre Iguodala was playing. So uh, I'm curious to see how that goes moving forward. But you just went out there and played the best team in the NBA and you gave them a run for their money. I didn't think that it was going to be this close. I actually, I legit thought the Suns were going to were going to blow them out. That's how well I think the Sun. I thought the Suns uh, had been playing as of late, uh, but they rendered Devin Booker until those final free throws. He was not very good in this game. He only had twenty two points on five of twenty one shooting. DeAndre Ayton had sixteen points on seventeen shots. Chris Paul was pretty good. Chris Paul was getting himself into the paint and taking those little mid-range jumpers or knocking down those floaters, those those shots that he always seems to knock down. I thought Chris Paul had a good game. But ultimately, they weren't able to get many points in the paint. They were forced to take a lot of shots. And I think a lot of that was due to Draymond Green and him looking like his old self, at least on the defensive end. And then you got Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole, uh, um, this dude, what more can we really say about him? 38 points. He tied his career high. On 22 shots, he was 7 of 15 from three. He was 9 of 10 from the free throw line. A majority of those uh, free throws coming in the fourth quarter, that's how they managed to keep it close because they had a terrible quarter shooting the basketball. Jordan Poole getting to the free throw line was really the only thing that they could hang their hat on. He had seven assists in this one, nine rebounds. He only turned the ball over twice. I really, everything that Jordan Poole was doing yesterday, and there were multiple times in this game where I thought he was hurt. I thought he was hurt. Whether it was that play where his elbow—I don't know what happened to it. Um, I was watching the ESPN broadcast last night. Anytime there's a national broadcast, I try and watch it so I can see, uh, so I can hear a different perspective. Now, if I wanted just to hear, uh, if I wanted to hear Richard Jefferson just talk about how good the Suns are the entire three hours, then I, I probably wouldn't have tuned in. Uh, but nevertheless, I was tuned into ESPN, and they thought that he was holding his back. Jordan Poole was, but instead it was like a like an elbow injury, something that it looked like a hyperextended elbow. But then he just goes on to knock down three more threes. Like this dude, he was great last night, and he's going to be a key moving forward. When you come pl- when it when it comes playoff time, and you get Steph back in that starting lineup. I'm sure Jordan Poole is going to be there too. You're going to have to sacrifice somebody because he has done nothing but prove to be one of the best players, not on the Warriors, on the floor. Every single game. Jordan Poole's the guy to think about. The Mic'd Up on ESPN. The Mic'd Up had Monty Williams, head coach of the Suns, telling him to watch out for Poole. Once Poole gets the ball in his hands, he's going to get his shot up. And even then... When he's telling them, watch out for Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole is still knocking him down. He does something every night that amazes you. And the one for me where I said, where I kind of sat back in my seat and was like, oh my god. It was the layup that he had where he somehow landed. He was going across the baseline. He falls over and managed to, manages to slide essentially from the low block outside of the key all the way to the corner outside of the three-point line. That might be a little exaggerated, but he slid like 10 feet after knocking knocking down this layup, which should have been called a foul, by the way, which I believe was called a foul. But there was a lot to take away, a lot of good to take away. But here's the bad. Well, first off, they opened up giving the uh giving the Suns nine free throws like the Suns were just hunting for fouls throughout this game it was very frustrating and you got to try to avoid those fouls and for the most part I actually thought I did, they did a pretty good job after that first quarter when Steve Kerr's told him hey stop reaching stop reaching but it was clay thompson clay thompson in this one you needed more from him he only had 13 points on 21 shots he was one of ten from three. Now in the fourth quarter, nobody shot well. Nobody shot the ball well, but he had nine minutes on the floor and he didn't knock down a single shot. All he did was knock down a couple of free throws. And really, the turning point to me in this game, the one where I really thought the Warriors had a chance, it felt like they had the Suns with their backs against the wall, but it was that moment in the third quarter when the game is what 61 to 60 or excuse me tied 61 to 61 there's 6 minutes and 24 seconds left andrew wiggins knocks down a shot then they play some good defense then he takes another shot at 63 to 61 and the ball spins around the rim for what felt like 15 different revolutions just going all the way around the circumference of the hoop. But they were playing some good defense. They were rebounding the ball well. Draymond Green was getting into Jay Crowder's ear. You could tell that he was getting under their skin. And in the meantime, Jordan Poole knocked down a three-pointer. Clay Thompson knocked down the mid-range. And it was 68-61. to The Suns had called a timeout. <laughs> And then on the other end, they weren't playing that great a defense, and the Suns started knocking down shots, and they tied the game 68-68. to But you needed some more scoring after that one. Klay Thompson, he only had those two free throws, but other than that, after that moment, with three minutes left in the third quarter, he did not make a shot, which he should have. He was trying to shoot himself out of this slump during this game, and it just started to grow more frustrating because you want to see Klay Thompson break out of that, but it seems like any time he you know, gets off to a slow start, the body language isn't there. But at the same time, I have a tough time trying to tell him, like, hey, don't take shots. You're Clay Thompson. You shouldn't be taking shots. You're one of the best three-point shooters that the game's ever seen. You need to shoot less. But in this game... He had those open looks, and he just wasn't knocking them down. And I do think that there can be a bit of concern there due to the inconsistency. We've seen him go off before. We've seen him score 37 in a game. We've seen, we've seen him score 30 or more where he's had good games. But we it feels like we've seen a lot more good than bad so far. Or excuse me, a lot more bad than good uh from Clay Thompson. Just the inconsistency. And I think they really could have used his shooting yesterday as Andrew Wiggins in the fourth quarter was not very good. Jordan Poole wasn't knocking down shots, but he was getting to the line and working. So I don't know. I, I do think you needed Clay Thompson uh, to be to be on the side of hey, just knock these down, and they probably would have had a closer game. Hell, could have won that game uh, if Clay had knocked down some shots because the Phoenix Suns were just looking for fouls. That's all they were doing. They couldn't shoot. They they were trying to shoot themselves out of a slump, and they couldn't. They couldn't knock down anything because the Warriors were playing good defense. So they just tried to hunt for foul calls, which they got. And they had a lot of free throws there in the fourth quarter, but you needed somebody to knock down these shots. And the one that I personally am going to rely on, because Jordan poole has been doing it all game, you need Clay Thompson to be that guy. Like it's it, it's done. We're past the point now of oh, it's great to have Clay back from the two years uh, where he's been off. Now you need him to start knocking down some shots. Did this have anything to do in the grand scheme of the season? No, not really. I mean, if the Warriors would have won that game, the Mavs won yesterday too. So now officially, uh, the Mavs are in the uh, they're in the three seed, and they have officially clinched themselves a playoff spot. The Warriors are on the precipice of that as well. Uh, but the Warriors are the four seed, and right now you got the Nuggets who are two games back, and you got the Jazz who are two and a half games back. So really, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big a deal that they lost this game. But you did need Clay Thompson. To knock down some shots in order to win. I'm very, I'm very. Look, there's not a lot of moral victories in sports, but this one they were so competitive and they have been with the Suns all year. I thought they were going to go for the season sweep of the series, but you do feel a little better knowing that the potential of this team. They showed their potential last night going toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the NBA. All right, the Comcast business text line is 888 is the text line and the phone number. But coming up next, want to get to what Steve Kerr had to say after the game, what Draymond had to say after the game. We'll get into all that because Steve Kerr's comments on Klay Thompson is what I believe can drive our conversation in the next segment. So we'll get to all that next. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game.
0: Now back to the pregame show on 957 the game.
1: Here's Stephen Langford. This is The Art of Storytelling on The Pregame Show. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good Thursday morning. You're on your way to work. You're on your way home from work. Maybe you're on your way home from some sort of event. For whatever reason, will be held on a Wednesday night and it was a late Wednesday for you. 520 in the morning and you just wanted to listen to some sports talk on your way home. Whatever it is. Good morning, and thank you so much for listening. But we are talking about the Warriors and the Suns. I promise you, it's not going to be like yesterday, where it was 25 minutes of straight Will Smith and Chris Rock at the Oscars to- talk two days after the fact. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of Warriors-Suns today. Did that encourage you? At the Comcast Business Text Line at 888 Or, of course, that's the phone number as well. But with how competitive the Warriors were last night, and they took the best team in the NBA down to the fourth quarter to the clutch minutes. Five minutes left, and you cut the deficit to five. It was a tie game with under five minutes left. With 4.54 left to go in the game, it was tied 91-91, to if I'm not mistaken. I didn't expect it to get to that point. I thought the Suns were going to destroy the Warriors. They've been playing in such a in such a fashion that's so together, but I think that speaks to also why I had this take. I hate that I just called it a take, but I had this opinion that if the Warriors were going to be going into the playoffs here, I want the I want them to get as much home court advantage as possible. When Steph was healthy, I wanted that 2 seed that the Grizzlies have. I really wanted it because the Warriors just play different at Chase Center. They do. But it just didn't look like the same team that we have seen these past few games. The team that had lost six of the seven previous prior uh, to this one last night. Well, I guess they still lost. So, But I was still encouraged. I was very encouraged with how they played. And it reminded you, hey, this Warriors team, they could be pretty good. They can be. It was that third quarter. Now, the first the first half, man, it was just so sloppy between both teams. Uh, the first half, it felt like there were a lot of open shots that each team was missing. Now, the Warriors were knocking down more of them because Jordan Poole started going off. Uh, Wiggins had knocked down a couple of threes. But... Overall, I thought it was a relatively sloppy game. Both teams, uh, uh, excuse me, the Warriors turning the ball over. The Suns getting a lot of open looks but not being able to knock them down. Not a very pretty first half. And then when you get into the third quarter, it was back and forth for the first half of the third quarter. But then you get to... When there was six minutes left in the game. And that's what I want to go to here. Because when it was tied... 61-61. to There's six minutes and 36 seconds to go... When DeAndre Ayton knocks down these two free throws. In the span of that time... Throughout the game, up to that point... Draymond and Jay Crowder have been going at it. And Draymond was yelling to the crowd he was getting into it. He was playing some good defense to in the first half. There was some good, there was some bad. But then he really started playing defense when they were tied 61 to 61 and you could point to a variety of things that happened in the span of a minute. It was an absolutely insane sequence because Andrew Wiggins knocks down the shot Then they play some good defense, force Chris Paul to miss a mid-range jumper, which is very tough to do with Chris Paul, but then they get the rebound. Andrew Wiggins goes on the other end, spins the ball around the basket for what felt like 10 revolutions. It bounces out. Very unfortunate, but then you get a rebound by Draymond Green, draws a foul from Jay Crowder, then he's already going crazy at that point. That's when he starts yelling and that's when he's looking off he's he's not go, he's not making eye contact with Jay Crowder cuz he doesn't want to get a technical, but he is yelling at Jay Crowder even though he's yelling at what looks like nothing. He's just not pointing toward Jay Crowder so he's not getting the T. He's yelling, he's going crazy, he's talking trash. Then Jordan Poole ends up knocking down the 3 then there comes a turnover after that. Then Clay Thompson knocks down the two. It's 68 to 61. Chase Center is going wild. And for that minute sequence in the middle of the third quarter, it just reminded you like that's the type of team that they can be if they end up. Competing with these teams in these games, and it and it really it started with Draymond Green and the energy that he was bringing, along with Jordan Poole and Jordan Poole just going crazy. Like that's that's really what the combination was. That's what made the Warriors successful. And when I looked at that, I couldn't help but think to myself, man, just imagine if Steph Curry's on the floor. I know I'm I know we 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 hate that, but to me, I just couldn't help but think about that. And just think, you know what, they they do have the capability to still do this, even though they haven't shown that capability uh, in these last few games when Steph's been gone. Now, of course, there would be a couple of turnovers. Now, Draymond would continue to play some good defense after that. But then you move into the fourth quarter and you get into clutch time. So let's move a full quarter forward when there's less than five minutes left. The... Suns were just hunting down free throws, and there were a couple of instances, for example, where Otto Porter Jr. was supposed to come off of this screen and slip to the three-point line, beyond the three-point line. Draymond thought he was going to go there instead. He cuts to the basket. Draymond thought he was going to go one way. He didn't want to make a bad pass turnover. So instead, he gets called for traveling. He didn't let go of the ball, jumps up, lands with two feet. That's a travel. You can look to, you can point to little mistakes like that. You can point to some of these misses that Klay Thompson had. I mean, I love the confidence from Thompson. But he really wasn't knocking down anything. And then he also had a couple of bad fouls there. Or he had one bad foul on Devin Booker. So I was encouraged a lot by throughout this game with different things. I thought the defense of GP2 was awesome. And he was uh, getting some layups in. Uh, Andre Iguodala, I thought that he looked very good in this game. And we're getting a lot here at the Comcast Business text line, the missed layups. I know Andrew Wiggins had one. And I'm trying to think of who had the back-to-back. I wrote this one down. But there were back-to-back, just missed open layups. Ones that they should have had. The one with Andre. Oh my goodness! That one with Andre... A lot of people are going to say, hey, well, like, I saw this. I was watching the ESPN broadcast, right? Anytime there's a national broadcast, I try and watch it to get a different perspective on the Warriors because we know what we're getting with Fitz and Buki. They're going to be highly focused on the Warriors and, you know, not always giving the other team the the credit or paying attention to what they do. They do most of the time, but, you know, there's sometimes where I would just want to get a different perspective. So the ESPN broadcast... Was bringing this up and saying, "Oh, Andre Iguodala is going to be on shacked in a fool, Fu- a fool after that one, where he made that sweet pass to Otto Porter Jr., who had the layup wide open." But I'm saying, "Hey, Otto Porter Jr. needs to make the layup. I don't fault Andre Iguodala for doing that at all. You're trying to get the crowd into it. You're trying. To- Chase Center is going nuts already." And you want, and that's the type of thing that makes him go even crazier is when the showboating starts to happen, and they had room for that. So when he turns around, as if that as if that pass that he had to Otto Porter Jr. was going in, but it was a wide open layup. I'm like, hey, Otto, make the shot. I didn't blame Andre at all for doing that. I didn't want to blame him at all for that. Oh, that was a frustrating one. Oh my goodness, could have believed that one. Uh, but Steve Kerr. There's a lot to get to from Steve Kerr, and I've ranted for the last eight minutes, and I wanted to get to the sound in this segment. We'll get to it on the other side, but I do want to just play this one clip. This is what Steve Kerr said after the game. He thinks this is what the team needs to look like.
0: It was a great performance in terms of our defense and our energy and uh, just the, um, the fight from start to finish. We just couldn't close the game, couldn't finish it out, but I think the main thing we can come out of that game and recognizing our team. You know, that's our team. So it's a great sign. And that's what it needs to look like from here on out, but with a little better decision-making offensively. And uh, we go from there and we got a chance to be really good.
1: Again, very encouraged after this loss. Normally I'm not, but the way that they competed with this team and just how electric it was at Chase Center... It makes you think if they do have home court and they manage to stick in that four seed and they at least get home court for the first round, I'd be feeling pretty good about what's to come in the first round. But I do want to talk about Clay Thompson coming out, uh, coming up next. <laughs> the four oh eight, Clay shooting the dubs out of a win last night like he's Langford. Hey, four oh eight, you're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. (laughs) That's exactly what I do. I don't care if I'm going one for nine from three. I'm going to keep hacking them. I'm going to keep chucking them up. Maybe I'm going to knock down some shots. (laughs) You're really not wrong. I'm not going to act like I'm some unbelievable basketball player. I can get up and down the floor, and I can maybe shoot a three every now and then, but I'm not going to have an efficient scoring night. I'll I'll give you 10 points on 25 shots. One of them being a three-pointer. <laughs> but I do want to talk about Clay Thompson coming up next, though, because Steve Kerr, I thought, said something interesting about that game because there's a lot to be encouraged about, but there was something to be discouraged about, and that was the play of Clay Thompson. And it wasn't just last night, uh, but it was the last few nights here. And I hate to say anything negative about Clay because of how much we love Clay. Hell, I spent all day yesterday watching his... Uh, watching his appearance on Serge Ibaka's cooking show, "How Hungry Are You," which I first started watching when Kawhi Leonard was on there, so I could not wait to see what a guy like Clay Thompson uh, to see how Clay Thompson would be, and it was a great conversation. It was fun. They were eating. Uh, what was it? I think Serge Ibaka cooked them. What was it? Caterpillar caterpillar Heroes, Was that what it was? I believe it was caterpillar euros. It was a great episode. And I'm sure they filmed it during the summer. Uh, but last night was not a good night for Clay. And I do want to get to what Steve Kerr had to say after the game. But I want to know from you at the Comcast Business Text Line at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Do you want Clay getting less minutes? Do you want him to shoot the ball less? Like, what do you want from Clay Thompson here, or do you want him to remain on the floor, keep giving him these opportunities because he eventually will work himself back into being uh, the Clay Thompson, at least the Clay Thompson uh, that we want on this team consistently? I want to know from you at the Comcast Business Text Line at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Stephen it on the pregame show ninety five seven the game.
0: Now back to the pregame show on 95/7 the game.
1: here's Stephen Langford. The Dallas Mavericks got the 120 to 112 win over the Cavaliers and the Warriors fall to the Phoenix Suns 107 to 103 and as we talked about yesterday, the lead up to it. If the Mavs beat the Cavs and the Warriors lose to the Suns, they would be tied in terms of record, but the Mavs have already won the tiebreaker for the season. So the Mavs have officially jumped the Warriors into standings. The Warriors are now the four seed, while the Mavs are the three seed. Now, the three seed still very much in reach. Still very much in reach. It's not like it's it's not like this is how it's gonna be at the end of the year, but the Mavs have been on a streak. Luka Doncic. Has been awesome. And the Warriors, even though last night's game was very encouraging, I thought it was encouraging. They needed to win that game if they wanted to, just for their confidence, but also if they wanted to remain uh, within that three spot in the standings. Although, now in the fifth seed, you're getting the uh, Denver Nuggets, which could be a good matchup toward the end of the year, because man, the Nuggets are tired. But I want to vote fo- now. But uh, when we get to the positives, because there's a lot of positives to look at uh, in last night's game, the defense that they played on Devin Booker, Jordan Poole doing things that only Steph Curry has done, and Draymond Green looking like the Draymond of old. I understand That turnover, the communication on that turnover with him and Otto Porter Jr., we can go back and forth on that specific play as to whose fault it was. Clearly, Draymond thought Otto Porter Jr. was going to slip off his man and go to the three-point line. Otto Porter Jr. kept cutting to the basket. It led to a travel and a turnover. Even though Draymond didn't get the pass off, I understand all that, but there were a lot of positives in last night's game. But I do want to focus here for a few minutes on uh, Clay Thompson. And this is really, this is one of my favorite texts right here uh, from the 408. Clay shooting the dubs out of a win last night like he's Langford. I'm telling you, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're really not wrong. When I'm on the court, I like to mask. My, I like to mask the holes in my game with comedy. I'll put up a shot, and I'll say, Rain Dance! Old school! Raindrops! Won't, won't knock down a single one as soon as the ball rims out. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me today? Like Michael Scott in the office when he's playing basketball, acting like he's all good coming out on the court. <laughs> I'm not gonna act like I'm, I'm not gonna act like I'm Clay Thompson, but Clay Thompson was not good in this game yesterday. He only scored 13 points on 21 shots. He was one of 10 from three. He only got to the free throw line twice. He only had one rebound. Now he did have four assists. But he also had three turnovers in this game, and he was a minus five on the court. Now, the plus minus, do whatever you want with it. The minus, I I don't think that the plus minus shows um, how poorly Clay Thompson actually played. I think minus five, if you're looking at it, would be very generous because he couldn't knock down anything last night. You could tell the body language he was starting to get down on himself, frustrated with himself anytime there was a timeout. I talked about that sequence in the last segment when it was sixty one to sixty one and the Warriors made it sixty eight to sixty one. Well after that, after Clay had knocked down that shot in the rest of the game when he was missing everything, you could tell that he was frustrated with himself. Like when the Suns ended up tying it back up at 68-68 and there was a timeout, you could tell that there was some frustration there. And not only was it offensively, but defensively too. We know what happened in that game against the Magic when he fouled Franz Wagner at the three-point line, when he shouldn't have run into him. You know, And it's, it's tough to avoid your body, all the momentum that you got going toward the player that you're closing out on. But it was a foul. Three points go. Uh, three points go to the line. Wagner knocks down all of them. Makes it a two possession game, and the Warriors are out of it. And then he has another one last night where he gets called for a foul on a screen. It was off ball, but the Suns were in the bonus, so they went up for free throws, and that's what ultimately uh, was the was the ending for the for the Warriors there. The dagger there for the Warriors. Um, But here's where I'm at on Clay Thompson. Of course, you want him to be more patient. You know, and we've seen those games before where he is patient. And, you know, I wonder how many dribbles he actually has in these games. Because the days of he's going to get 43 points on four dribbles... Seems like those days are gone. Now, that's not that's not due to Klay Thompson. That's also due to, you know, not having Kevin Durant on the team and Steph Curry at the same time, not having one of the best shooters on the floor. But these past few games, when Steph's been out, Clay has not been very good. And it, this game, he was forcing shots up. You know, he got some open looks, but he wasn't getting them in the hoop. And the question is, you know, do we put Klay Thompson to the bench? Do we decrease his minutes? And the answer to that is I have no clue. I have no clue what to do here because it's Klay Thompson. Because after all, I mean, I know he doesn't look like the same, look the same since the injury. I know that. But we have seen those flashes. And if Steph's on the floor, is it different? Is it any different, especially with the way that Draymond was playing last night? Uh, but Steve Kerr talked about it on dealing with Clay when he's having a poor shooting night, like he was having last night.
0: That's all part of it for Clay. That's kind of how it's been, and and not totally unexpected coming off of a two and a half year absence. A lot of ups and downs. And, and, you know, he's such a competitor. He wants to do well so badly. He's uh, He tends to press when things aren't going his way. But that's just because of how much he cares. And uh, just got to keep encouraging him. The whole point is we got to get great shots for each other. And, uh, you know, Clay had a couple of games on that trip that we just got home from where he got gave up the ball and got it back. And uh, he's got to trust that it's going to come back to him. And when he does that and the ball moves, that's when our when we're at our best anyway.
1: Now can he get out of the shooting struggles that he's going through right now? I believe he can. I absolutely believe he can. And I don't even know if putting him with Because 'cause we're getting it here from the from the uh from Curtin Napa, I'd like to see Clay play more with the second unit just to see how it looks before the postseason begins. I guess. I guess you can do that but is that really going to be the way that you can get Clay back to being the clay that 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 we want him to be. Now, let's just go back to you know, we can even take it back to the Boston game where uh where Clay got hurt, but ever since then or excuse me, back when Steph got hurt, but ever since then he's been shooting 34% from 3. Now, his average scoring is not that bad because he has had uh, a 37-point game like he did against the Hawks, and he had 25 against the Wizards and 24 against the Spurs. So the average points, 22 points per game ever since Steph's been gone, then you think he's been unbelievable. Uh, But he hasn't been averaging even more than a free throw per game. But it's the shots. 40% overall and 34% from three. You need much more than that from Clay. 40% is not good, and that's averaging 21 shots a game. That's averaging 21 shots a game. When you're averaging 22 points, and you're averaging 21.7 attempts, that's not efficient. And only shooting 35% from three, when you're shooting 11 per game, you're going to need... Some more production from Clay in that aspect. But I also think that Steve Kerr has a very tough job on his hands right now. I, I don't know if he needs to make that sort of decision because last night, I actually think we we got a glimpse into what we're going to be seeing a lot. And I can, you know what, I could foresee this now. I, I could foresee this already going into the playoffs, into the first round. But if Jonathan Kaminga plays the minutes that he played yesterday, only playing five. Moses Moody, only playing for 40 seconds, barely got on the court. It was a nine-man rotation for the most part. The four guys coming off the bench, Otto Porter Jr., GP2, Bielitsa to get a big body on the floor, and... My goodness. In the first half, at least, when Bielitsa comes in, it's like the end of the first quarter going into the second. It's just, oh my goodness. It was the same thing at the end of the third going into the fourth. I know in the third he knocked down a three, which was a big uh, uh, time in the game because of the momentum and where it was going. It was it was going the Warriors' way at one point, then it was going the Suns' way, then Bielitza knocks down a three, then the crowd goes crazy. But I could already see this now. The fan base is going to be wondering what is going on with Jonathan Kaminga and why aren't you playing him more minutes. Because against a top team here, you're going to have some of those games where Kaminga could get 15-20. to 20. But if Andre is playing the way that he's playing, you're not going to decrease Clay Thompson's minutes knowing that you can get the type of Klay Thompson game, the one that you got with the Hawks last Friday... It's tough, man. It's tough when you just say, all right, well, you know what? We can start Clay with the second unit, but then it shakes things up. It really does. That's not what the plan was. That's not how they practiced. You can try and put him in the second unit, but is that really what's going to get Clay Thompson back to being Clay Thompson? And if so, I mean, who do you replace him with? It's not like any of those four guys that were coming off the bench last night are going to replace what Clay was doing. They're certainly going to. They're, gonna, they're certainly going to uh, take less threes, but at the same time, there aren't that many shooters on this team. And when you have Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins was, you know, he had 19 points last night, but Andrew Wiggins just had a very quiet game on the offensive end. Defensively, he's been very good, but I just don't see their... I don't see them having room to make much change as far as Klay Thompson and his minutes and being in the starting five. There's really not a lot to work with right now. Now, when St- when Steph comes back, that's when things are going to get a little different. But I can already see the conversation now. Why is Jonathan Kaminga only getting five minutes in a playoff game? That's how it's going to be in the first round. Guaranteed. But you know what? That was that was the low light of the night was was Clay Thompson. Let's get to what did have me encouraged from this game. Let's get to a little more positivity here. Uh, because Jordan Poole, man. Jordan Poole, I want to read off a list here of Warriors players who have had a game with 30 plus points, 7 plus rebounds, 7 plus assists and 7-plus made threes in Warriors history. I want to go down that list, because Jordan Poole last night, 38 points, 7 made threes, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. He was awesome. The only other guy to have a stat line like that in Warriors history, with the 7 rebounds and 7-plus assists and 7 threes and 30 points, Steph, 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 Steph Poole. (laughs) <laughs> like, that's that's how good Steph had been previously, and that's how good Jordan Poole is now. The only other Warrior player besides Steph to have that sort of stat line. Do you believe now that he facilitates for others on his team? Sure, there are some games where you can point to it and say he didn't make anybody around him better, but last night is not one of those games. Jordan Poole, among others, among a court where there's there are All-Stars, Hall of Famers, Jordan Poole looked like the best player on the floor last night. The best player on the floor. He was the most impactful. I said this at the top of the show. Monty Williams from the Suns, the head coach, when you heard him mic'd up, he sang, focus on Poole. When Poole gets the ball in his hands, you know that thing's going up. So make sure you focus on Poole. And even then, after they had a they had a speech on the bench talking about gar- guarding Jordan Poole, they weren't able to do it. He was awesome last night. I mean, and this dude, let me let me, let me pull it up here. I, I, I got to pull it up. How many straight games is this with 20 plus points? 15. 15 straight games with 20 or more points. Only Steph and Durant have a longer streak for the Warriors in the last 30 years. You're putting them up there with Steph right now, with the stat lines that he's pulling off. Poole has been great. Here's Steve Kerr after the game talking about Poole.
0: Yeah, I thought his defensive effort was uh, much better than, than it's been the last couple weeks. And, and uh, I think with Draymond out there setting the tone and Andre back it lifts up the entire team defensively and, and those guys are out there not just doing their jobs in terms of our schemes and coverages but leading the group and making sure guys are, are staying engaged so just we just felt much more connected defensively overall and, and uh, Jordan was a big part of that.
1: Jordan was a big part of that and he was great offensively too and I I, I love it when Steve Kerr does that. Whenever you have a team that has the greatest shooter on the planet in Steph Curry, it's always focused on the defense. Defense, 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 and rightfully so. Like Clay, uh, Steve Kerr's not even worried, really, about the shooting. You know, he said, like with Clay's shooting struggles, he did say that maybe he's forcing up shots, but he didn't say, yeah, I'm worried about it. He didn't say, No, I've lost all faith in Clay. I don't want him taking nearly as many three. He wasn't that straightforward about it, but he focused on Poole's defense. Poole was great on defense, but it also started with Draymond Green. Now, he was asked after the game if this was his best game since his return. And I'll play this clip for you, but I can answer it for Draymond. Yes, is the answer.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think I led better. I thought in the first half, my body language was terrible. Everything that went wrong, I let it get to me. In the second half, I just played and led. You know, I I know that's what I have to do. Everything else will take care of itself. You know, a part of the reason I said I've been so bad, I haven't been leading. You know, I haven't been talking. And so I thought from, from that standpoint, I was a lot better. And everything else will follow
1: that. Him and Jay Crowder going at it. Which was great. It was a fun. Uh, that was a fun little battle to watch. Just two guys, Jay Crowder, a, a dude who uh, is uh, one of the underrated. We always talk about Patrick Beverly being the pest. Draymond Green is one of those guys. Uh, Jay Crowder, one of those guys too. And if the Warriors and the Suns do meet in the playoffs, which if they remain in this seating right now in the four seed, they'd be meeting in the uh, in the second round. Watching Draymond versus Jay Crowder would be fascinating. But it did start with Draymond. The defense started with Draymond. His help defense was there. He wasn't a step slow like he has been in previous games. And I said this at the top of the show, and I want to reiterate it for the new audience here at 555. Do you notice how we didn't play anything from the Draymond Green show this week? We didn't play anything on this station. We didn't react to anything that Draymond Green said. As a matter of fact, we're still reacting to the thing that he had to say about the Lakers. But we didn't react to anything that he had to say because all he did on his show was take accountability for how bad he's been. And he talked about ways in which he's going to fix it. Like We don't pay attention to that. (laughs) We just pay attention to the controversial things that Draymond Green says. We don't pay attention to the positives. And when I listened to that podcast yesterday morning on the way in here, he spoke what he was saying into existence. He said, look, man, it's it's tough coming back from injury. I'm going to eventually get it coming back game by game. But he was also admitting that he's been a step slow on defense. The game has been moving quicker for him, and he's been having some bad turnovers. Now, there were some bad turnovers yesterday. He talked about his bad body language in the first half. You could point to the first quarter. Draymond did have a couple of bad turnovers, but he made up for it by being aggressive and trying to go for the, uh, uh, go for the hoop. Which is something you hadn't really seen from Draymond these past few games. I thought his defense was awesome. That third quarter sequence, when it was tied 61-61, to and it got to 68-61, to it was all led from the energy of Draymond Green. I thought he was awesome, and that was very encouraging. We need to see that throughout the rest of the season, and then going into the playoffs as well. And Kurt talked about it, you know. We've seen. I mean, again, we've had 15 straight games of Jordan Pool scoring 20 or more points. That is going to be a key here, but also it's going to be Draymond leading this defense along with GP2 and Andre Iguodala and the defense that they've played on Devin Booker this season. I want to play this cut from Steve Kerr, uh, but these stats here they don't lie. You know,
0: defending and getting stops, and I think Draymond took a step tonight. Though, you know, it looked to me like he was uh, a step quicker to the ball, step quicker to his rotations. Looked like he turned the corner physically, and that was a great sign.
1: Now the Suns, they did tie their franchise record for 62 wins. And they're, they're damn near impossible to beat when the game is that close with less than five minutes left. They're damn near impossible to beat. Anthony Slater had this stat, but in the last 15 games, nine of them have been in clutch situations for the Warriors. Less than five minutes. Less than five points between the two teams. And in those nine games, the Warriors were one of eight going into yesterday's game. And I don't even know what the Suns' win-loss record is, but you need to look no further than the 62, games, 62 wins that they have. But something encouraging was the defense that they played on Devin Booker. Because primarily, you had GP2 on him. You had Andrew Wiggins on him. And in the last three games this year that they've played, Devin Booker, 10 points on 4 of 9 shooting, 0 for 2 from 3. Christmas Day, 13 points on 19 shots. He was 1 of 5 from 3. And last night, the 22 points on 21 shots, 2 of 8 from 3. So, Devin Booker has not been very good against the Warriors, their superstar. And it makes me encouraged. You'd think going into a second-round matchup with the Suns, of course it's tough. They're looking like the most complete basketball team in the NBA right now. But last night, the way they played against them at home, the way they played against them previously in the season... And those stats against Devin Booker right there, that has me encouraged. I'm not saying that the Warriors are going to win a championship. I'm not saying that they're going to win the Western Conference. But I came away from that game feeling good. From the 510 question, why are Warrior fans so happy with the loss? Yes, they played well, but the two stars, Draymond and Clay, cost the game in the last 30 seconds. I'm not into moral victories, and if the Warriors don't win another game, these guys are in the play-in for the playoffs. And that's fair. That's fair if you're not into moral victories, tough sports guy. So sick. All right, Bonte Hill and Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky are coming up next. It is the morning roast up until 9 o'clock. You got me and producer Sam Lubman. Shout out to the uh, behind the glass. Shout out to the texter who said Clay was trying to shoot himself out of a slump and shot himself out of the game like Stephen Lightford does in the middle of a pickup game. You are absolutely right. That is my stat line right there. 13 points on 23 shots, 1 of 10 from 3. That's what I do on average, homie. All right, the morning rose covered up next. Go sports.